الحمد لله وكفاه وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والذين جاهدوا فينا لنهدينهم سبولنا سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المصرين الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم The last several weeks we've been looking at the life of Abu Bakr and in particular the early days of the deen, the Islam of Abu Bakr and how what defines him is his how, how what defines Abu Bakr is that he after the prophets is is the greatest of human beings and he of course was the closest to the prophet and his iman was so strong that it outweighs the iman of the rest of the muslim community and we highlighted that much of the reason for this is that in the first few days of his islam he had he was very quick to bring people toward deen and he applied the principle to its fullest, which is based on the hadith of the Prophet That the one who guides toward good, it's they receive the reward of the person that's actually doing the good. Or That the person who guides toward good, uh, it's as if he's done that good. Or she, it's as if she's done that good. And so Abu Bakr at the time perhaps not knowing this principle of deen, because these hadith were narrated much later, but Abu Bakr, not even understanding this, simply appreciated that he was given a gift by Allah, and that was the gift of Islam. And he did whatever he could to share that gift with others. So we've mentioned this over the last few weeks, and you can listen to the recordings if, if, to catch up. But that in the first few days, he brought giants toward the, toward the deen. He brought Uthman bin Affan, Sa'ad bin Abi Waqqas, uh, Talha bin Ubaidullah, ibn Abu, uh, Abu Ubaidah ibn Jarrah, Abdurrahman bin Awf, um, uh, Zubair bin Awam. Uh, and all of these people we talked about, we spent the last several weeks talking about all these people individually and what they contributed to Deen. And what they're facilitating Deen uh, and, ha- and how their contributions will end up in the account of Abu Bakr. And so he was very proactive in this. And you see his status today. Right? It was his, you see his status today. There's none other than Abu Bakr. And I thought just to bring these points to a conclusion, I wanted to summarize a few of these. And these will tie into what we talked about the first gathering. And that was that, okay, if you look at Abu Bakr anhu, what ultimately with his efforts, you see what effect it had on the ummah. Okay, so he, we, said, we talked about Zarham bin Awf, we talked about uh, Talha bin Ubaidullah, Zubair bin Awam, we talked about the family of Abu Bakr, we talked about... Um, we talked about how he how he brought Arqam bin Abil Arqam to Deen, and that hit Arqam's radiallahu anhu whose house became the first the markaz of Deen, and from there Islam spread. And Musab radiallahu anhu accepted Islam over there. Umar uh, uh, bin Khattab, uh, Hamza radiallahu anhu, and you see the effect that these people had. How how far reaching their their effect was. Musab was the first envoy to Medina Munawwara, and all of Medina was prepared by Musab radiallahu anhu for the Prophet was coming. But Musab's Deen was facilitated by Arqam, and who facilitated? It was Abu Bakr. So you see how far out, uh, how out, how uh, far reaching the effect of Abu Bakr was, and even to this day, right? How how much of an effect uh, it had on the Ummah, but who ultimately benefited by the work of Abu Bakr 
It was Abu Bakr. It was Abu Bakr, right? I mean, he benefited the most. He he benefited the most. So it makes us think, okay, so we've been highlighting how important it is to bring other people back toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but we shouldn't lose sight of that fact. It doesn't, ultimately, the number one person that's going to benefit from this effort and sacrifice that I put in is going to be myself, not the ummah. Yeah, the ummah will benefit, but to be honest, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can choose anyone. He could, instead of Abu Bakr, he could have chosen someone else to do the work of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of that. But who ultimately benefited it was Abu Bakr. And so in our situation as well, we don't have to necessarily look to see you know, what benefit we are bringing to the Ummah of the Prophet or what benefit we are bringing to the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have to think about ourselves first and foremost. We have to think, okay, there will come a day where I have to stand before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and account for my life, not anyone else's life. Not anyone else's life. I'm on my own on that day. I won't have any support. Yeah, and, 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 and on that day, when we need it most, we need all the support we can get, which we're not going to get, right? Because we're on our own. It, it's up to our own deeds and our own accounts. So if on the Day of Judgment we have to send before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala an answer for the deeds that we performed and the sins that we try to stay away from, we're doomed. But if on the Day of Judgment we send before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can bring forth you know, tens or hundreds or thousands of people that have ultimately benefited from our deen and all of their rewards are also going into our account, then perhaps there'll be some salvation for us. But we ourselves benefit more than anyone else. More than anyone else, we ourselves. And sometimes we lose sight of this because we look to see what effect we're having. And if we don't feel like we're benefiting the ummah, then I'm going to stop this work. But that's not the rule of Allah, the, ru- or the rule of the Prophet The rule is that the person who benefits ultimately is myself. And, in, in the, in the, and for a person who's striving toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and in particular is taking steps of becoming close to Allah, this is a must. Right? This is part of our spiritual effort is that we, not just, we don't just take, but we also give. We take from our teachers and we give to the people around us. If it stops at just taking, then we're in trouble. It has to go beyond taking and it has to go toward giving. And that's what Abu Bakr did. And he did it tirelessly. Right? He sacrificed tremendously. So that's the first take-home point. That, that's the first concluding point from looking at Abu Bakr. That ultimately the person who benefited the most... It was Abu Bakr himself. And we can't lose sight of that. Okay, the second point to take home is that, well, you may be thinking in your mind that, okay, well, you know, what qualification do I have? You know, I'm not, I don't have much knowledge. I don't have, uh, I'm, I myself, I'm fumbling in my deen and I'm not consistent in my a'mal. And, you know, who am I to, to take on this sort of responsibility? Let me just work on myself and then I'll worry about the rest of the world later. And... But when you look at what Abu Bakr did, and again, going back to his early days, he wasn't calling people to himself. He was taking people to an opportunity is what he was doing. He recognized that the Prophet was sent. And so what, what did he do? He didn't bring people toward himself. In the first early days, he saw there was an opportunity by being in the company of the Prophet and he took people to the Prophet And that was, was, that was his effort. That was his effort, recognizing that, look, maybe, and Abu Bakr, obviously, he's a very qualified individual, right? <laughs> There's no de- debating that. But in his mind, he wasn't even qualified, right? This Abu Bakr's thinking, I'm not qualified enough, but you know what? There is someone who's qualified, and that's the messenger of Allah. So I'm going to take these people to the messenger of Allah. We mentioned Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas. We mentioned uh, Abdul Rahman ibn Awf. You know, what did these companions do? Abu Bakr took, he saw them, he took them, he said, listen, 
Let's go to the Prophet mm-hmm. and he took him to that opportunity. So that is what is being. That's what that was one of the points that were one of the reasons that we're using Abu Bakr radiAllahu anhu as an example for us today when we're highlighting this point of is because the burden is not necessarily just on your shoulders. You have the support of the opportunities around you. You have to take people to gatherings where Allah is remembered. You don't have to hold the gatherings yourself. You have to take people to those people that are very close and remember Allah. You don't have to bring that person to yourself. You have to tirelessly uh, take people to the ulama and to the mashayikh and encourage them to be in their company. Why? Because they can bring them benefit. And we shouldn't lose sight of this too. And this everyone can do. Right? No one's spared from this. You're not, no one's saying you have to sit down and give a dars every Sunday and let people benefit from you. No one's saying that you have to give a talk you know, to the to Juma Khutbah once a month so that the community around can benefit. The opportunities are available, especially where we live, right? In Southeast Michigan, there's so many opportunities for deen. You just have to facilitate it for people. Take them the way Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu took them. You know, I remember in the, you know, I'm just thinking my own example. You don't know what effect it'll have downstream. You know, when I, uh, in, uh, many years ago, before I had met, met my teacher, right? I was introduced to my teacher by someone. Now this person, I remember he's a distant relative of mine. He, I, I had, he, he, one day we were at some, some family gathering or party somewhere, it was in Chicago, and he said, you know, uh, he knew that I was kind of involved in the community, I was involved in the youth group, and he said to me, he said, listen, there's someone, uh, oh, you, I know you're involved in, in youth groups and things like that, I said, yeah, he said, hey, you should bring this person, he was tra- talking about my teacher today, but he said, you should have this person come to your community. And I'm like, you know, tell me about him. And he's like, oh, you know, he has this, he's a physician, he does this. And I'm like, physician, I mean, what kind of, like, what kind of diary is that? Like, how does this person call to Allah? I'm used to bringing, you know, big speakers to speak at the world stage or national. So we used to bring in, you know, at our youth dinners, and we, we used to bring in all these big names, right? The, the quote-unquote big names, celebrity, celebrity scholars. We used to bring these people to our functions. And I'm like, I don't know about this, this, this person. And, and um... So I was very, very reluctant. He's like, no, no, no. He kept pushing, kept pushing. That day, then weeks later, he's like, no, you don't understand who this person is. You have to, you have to connect. You have to bring this person to your community. So I'm like, okay, reluctantly, eventually I said, okay, let me just go out and reach out to him. Eventually, we had invited, you know, we invited uh, Sheikh Hussein, like maybe six, seven, eight months later, he had come. He agreed to come. And again, this was reluctantly that I had done this. And, uh, and then I had met him once. I said, wow, this person is incredible. Then I brought him back two years later, and then three years later, and he kept coming and benefiting the community here. And then eventually we would take people to, to go meet him and visit him. And, uh, and obviously now, I mean, the relationship is completely different, right? I mean, there's a, there's, and the effect that he's had on the community, I mean, this community and the, peop- and, and the people that we interact with, it's just unbelievable. Now, the person that initially strongly encouraged that I meet him, I haven't even talked to this person probably in about 10 years. He doesn't even, he lives in like a different country. He doesn't even live here anymore. But all of this is going back to him. Like, does he know? I mean, did he know at the time that this would be the effect that it would have? No, I haven't even, I don't even, he doesn't even know that we're here in these gatherings. But he realized there was an opportunity. There was someone that he benefited from and he made sure that, th- that I would benefit from that person. And then that's it, he just disappeared. The work was done. And then it just continues and continues and continues. And then you have, you know, gatherings like these where we have dhikr gatherings once a month, right? How, I mean, all of this is going back into his account. He doesn't even know what's going into his account. When will he find out? He's going to find out on the Day of Judgment. 
that subhanallah, this was because of this slightest effort that he had put in in, 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 in encouraging me to invite you know, my, my teacher. He didn't know at the time. He will find out. He'll be on the day of judgment. And then he'll see, subhanallah, all of this benefit is going into my account. I didn't even, I didn't, I, I didn't know any of this. I didn't know this. But what, what did he see? He saw an opportunity. He said there's someone who can connect people to Allah. And so he made it a point of emphasis to pick a few people that he thought were, were well connected. And he connected that person to this teacher. And as a result, now the rest of the community benefits. So, so there are real life examples of this. You know, this isn't something that just existed at the time of Abu Bakr. Anhu. You know, even my teacher himself, right, years of effort is put in, eventually gives people, a few people ijazah and says, okay, now you go do the work as well. Right? And, and, and what happens? Then that work gets spread in different communities and different pockets, and all of that goes back. And that's why you see the status of, of some of our mashayikh just really just climbing. Why? It's because the work is spreading, and people are being connected to Allah. Sometimes you know about it, sometimes you don't know about it. So the point being that no one is exempted from this responsibility, and everyone is qualified because all the all the requirements are is that you find the opportunity and you encourage people toward the opportunity. And everyone can do this. The third point, the third concluding point, so we mentioned number one is that when we guide people toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or we guide people to returning back to Allah, that's, let's put it that way, because everyone here, I mean, in some way, shape, or form, we, we were, most of us, if not all of us, were born Muslim, but maybe we distanced ourselves and then we came back. So number one, ultimately the people that the person that benefits the most isn't the people that you interact with or that you guide to Allah. It's actually you yourself because all of it is going into your account. And spiritually, that'll that'll be really what benefits you. The second point is that Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu he guided toward opportunities that were already present. And when we're in a community where there are opportunities and gatherings of Allah's remembrance present, we don't take that lightly. We guide, we we work effortlessly the way Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu worked. The third take-home point is this is that one of the major advantages of, of this, of, of sacrificing for others so that they can connect with Allah, is that it removes stress and burden from your own life. It removes stress and burden from your own life. Look, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He's set up this world such that some, everyone has to carry some burden or responsibility on their shoulders. Everyone has to carry some weight on their shoulders and some difficulty they'll have to carry. And, but there's a limit to how much a person can carry. Now, a person has a choice. Either they take that responsibility and place it on their own shoulders so that their back is full, so that now they can uh, take, take that responsibility on their own shoulders so that their, 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 their weight is full and nothing else can be added, or they wait for that weight to be put on them. What happens when a person takes on responsibility and encourages other people toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what you're essentially doing is you're taking on a prophetic responsibility. So you're taking this responsibility, putting it on your own shoulders and putting that weight on yourself. That doesn't, that doesn't leave room for other sorts of headaches of this mundane world. You know, the, the, biggest, the biggest issue that I see in just interacting with people is that everyone's so quote-unquote busy. Or everyone's so burdened and weighed down by something or another, be it a family member, be it you know car issues, be it work issues, be it children. Everyone's just stressed. Be it you know some some sort of worry is always is plaguing everyone, and that's the excuse that people have that I just I don't have time. But when a person takes, and that's because they've left their shoulders empty, they didn't take the responsibility of being on their shoulders. 
they took they just kept their shoulders empty and somehow some way responsibility has to fall on the shoulders and these are the burdens and the headaches that are placed on the shoulders but on the flip side when a person takes responsibility of deen on their shoulders there's no space for the headaches of the mundane world to be filling our shoulders the worry when a person becomes worried about deen and the deen of other people there's no room for them to worry about the dunya there's no space for that it's, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't test people in that way so this is what we see you know, I see this in my, in my teacher's life, and I see how busy they are. I'm like, how in the world are they guiding people toward Allah despite all of their busyness? It's because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has removed a lot of headaches from their life. You know, simple things or complicated things that burden every you know, family, every couple, marital issues, child issues, parent issues, you know, work-related issues. They don't have to deal with this. I mean, they have, obviously everyone's tested. No one's exempted from tests from Allah, right? So they do get sick and this happens. But by and large, there's less of this stress on their shoulders. They can actually focus on, on serving other people because there's no space for anything more. You know, I'll give you a personal example. <laughs> this is, it's, it's very interesting. This is about three or four years ago. Uh, we were expecting our, our third child. And uh, there was, and uh, my, my son, he was due maybe... He was, his due date was like the last day of Ramadan, something like that. The last day of Ramadan was his due date. So, and usually in Ramadan, we spend time doing itikaf, and we have itikaf programs and things. So I spoke with my, my sheikh, and I said, you know, I don't think this year I can do it. You know, and he said, why? I said, oh, because, you know, my wife is due, I have to be in town. And that, that time we were living in Cleveland, so I, I was like, I can't leave town, etc. And... Um, and I said, this, is, this year, unfortunately, I won't be able to do it. Or I, at least I suggested that. He said, he said, Hafiz up. he said, we don't have time. That's what he said. He said, we don't have time. So I said, we don't have time. I was like, could you, uh, you know, she was saying, could you explain what you mean by we don't have time? And he said, he said, uh, he said, the akhirah is coming close. He said, we don't have time to just be messing around and watching the, people around us just bleed spiritually away. He said the last 10 days of Ramadan, this is the time where people change their lives around and there are people that are dependent on you. You need to take this responsibility. The akhirah is near. Not if, if, if one person were to miss out from this opportunity, then it would be on me. And this was, he said, so first he said this, and it shook me. I was like, subhanAllah, the akhirah is near. Like, and he said, you, you don't have time. He said, he said, we don't have time. We can't let anybody slip. Which basically, which the first point, the, the point he was hammering into me was that we don't waste a single second. We don't waste a moment of our time because a moment of time that we, uh, in which we don't work on other people, that's potentially, you know, that person's salvation at stake. Then he said, um, he said, you, you should do this program. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? So anyway, I talked to my wife and, he, and, and she said, yeah, he said it, you should just, you should go. So... Anyways, it was like the last day of Ramadan, and I'm doing it the kaf, and I, you know, we came, I came, you know, here to Michigan. I'm three, four hours away, and I'm thinking, what if she goes into labor? What's gonna happen? How am I? I'm, I'm, you know, this is this is not good. But whatever, I said, you know what, Bismillah, I'm doing, going this for the sake of Allah. That's it. Of course, what happened? You know, day one, day two, the kaf goes through. The night before Eid, essentially, 
no baby, no phone call. My phone's on me the entire time. And then I, uh, I drive back and, you know, obviously I got a lot of heat for this from other people, you know, other people were like, you're out of your mind. What are you doing? And my wife is getting heat. Like, why would you let your husband go? Like, you know, you're crazy. Like, uh, you know, why would you even let him leave town like this? You know how it is. Like the last four weeks of any pregnancy, you're like, she can't travel and you got to be around and you got to have your phone on you at all times because you never know when baby's coming. So obviously baby doesn't come, right? So I go back uh, to go back to Cleveland, and then he was born like you know the following morning. I got back on Monday, I think, or maybe it's Tuesday. Got back Tuesday night, and he was born Wednesday morning. He, we had to go to the hospital. So then you know maybe a few weeks went by, and then I had seen him again, and I said uh, I forgot I forgot what this whole discussion I had with him before. So I said, you know, Sheikh Hussein, we had a, alhamdulillah, we had a baby boy, and his name is him. I think I, I no, no, I, I showed him. I said, this is my son. His name is this, and please make the offer for him. He's like, oh, okay, so mashallah, mashallah. He's like, uh, so he looked at me, he said, he's like, uh, he, um, so he wasn't born during at the Gaf, huh? And I said, and I laughed, because I had doubted him. And I said, no, Sheikh Hussein, you're right, he wasn't. And it, look, I'm not obviously recommending anyone do this. So don't take this as the take-home point. The lesson is that this, he had so much yaqeen through his own experience that when a person sacrifices for the sake of Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't test them in these ways. Look, what could have happened? I could have stayed back and said, no, I'm not taking this responsibility on my shoulder. I'm going to stay here. Any, a million things could have happened. On the way to the hospital, we could have gotten in a car accident. And then there's another headache. We could have gotten a flat tire. Some other complication could have occurred. But he had so much yaqeen that, look, when you take responsibility of deen on your shoulders... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now takes responsibility of you. And when he's responsible for you, then you have no worry. He'll take care of you. And there's so many examples, so many examples of this, right? From If you look back to our Akabid, you look back to the Sahaba, when they took responsibility on their shoulders, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took responsibility for them. If we don't take responsibility, this responsibility in particular, bringing people back to Allah on our shoulders, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't need to take the responsibility himself. Why? Because you're on your own. You're claiming you can do this. Go ahead. And then see. Now, so obviously in balance and with, you know, make, make proper decisions. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that, you know, whether this circumstance, obviously be wise about what you do, pray istikhara, do mashwara and these things and don't, don't go overboard. I'm not suggesting that at all. But this is the yaqeen of our, of our mashayikh and our ulama. This is how they thought. And it, it was based off of experiences they had. It was based off of just understanding the sunnah of Allah. And that is that if you want to reduce stress from your life and reduce headaches from the mundane in your life, be it you know house issues, car issues, loan issues, debt issues, family issues, marital issues, kid issues, then take responsibility of deen on your shoulders. Because then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will find a way to alleviate all of those issues. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will find a way to alleviate all of those issues. And those, those stresses that the common person experiences, that'll be less, that won't be your, you're not the common person now. Because now you're taking on a prophetic responsibility. Now you're taking on the responsibility of the sahaba like Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. So these are the take-home points from the last several sessions we've, the last three or four sessions we've had on this. Appreciating who Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu was. Appreciating the, appreciating the sacrifice that he made for deen and how ultimately he was the one that came out on top as a result. His tireless effort to bring people to the Prophet wasallam, and his tireless effort to facilitate deen for people, look at the maqam that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him. And if we want 
we will never get be we'll never reach the state of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. But if we want to follow in his footsteps, then this is what we this is the lesson that we take. Yes, we have our routine. We come to the gatherings ourselves. We try to spend time ourselves in the company of the ulama, the mashayikh. We come to the masjid. We read Quran. We do dhikr. We do all of these things. No one's going to negate that. But we encourage others to do the same because all of what they do goes into our account. I'm one person, and I can achieve the ibadat and the adhkar of one person. But I can guide a lot of people. And all of that can also go into my account. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to, uh, to benefit from the teaching, from the, from the lives of the Sahaba. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us amongst those that regularly call people toward him and invite people to return back to him. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us uh, for our, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow gatherings such as these to be gatherings where where people benefit and other people are invited to benefit. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.